Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. was probably one of the most dynamic, powerful messages to really show us what apostles are supposed to be doing, as far as especially exposing false doctrines, false Christ, false gospels, which scripture talks about. Apostle Paul talks about that in, I believe it's Galatians, about if anybody brings another gospel, whether man or angel, other than this one that's been preached. In essence, you need to run. That's my language. And Sunday is titled, Look What's Missing, The Root of a Powerless Gospel. Unbelievable. I just want to ring the bell now. Believable message. It's one of those things where I really wish we had time to just sit around after church and stare at the wall and think and go back and think some more. Because this plan to destroy the body of Christ is diabolical, but it's smooth. It's so smooth. It's subtle. It's entrenched in our whole culture and society. The way we believe about the kingdom of God and Christianity and church and what we should be doing and not doing and what's on the other side of eternity and what isn't. All of those things she addressed on Sunday, all tied to versions of the Bible. And so this clip is less than 10 minutes long highlighting certain things that she said. If you missed Sunday's sermon, go back and check it out on whatever platform you're watching right now. That's where the Sunday sermons are. It should be titled, Look What's Missing, The Root of a Powerless Gospel. So you can look for that title, and then you can watch it. We also have information in this uh, update right here in this clip for how you can download the audio. It's already available. It's online for you in our e-store to download Sunday's sermon. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that more than once, more than twice, more than thrice. And so uh, Rachel's going to play this clip, and we'll be right back after that. and on and on. 
Andrew. See, we're not smart, so we can't defeat. We have to read books like this. I will not give you a book that I have a problem with. He gave you dates. He told us the two men who responded. They have what they call. Now, this one you're going to love. Can I say this? Yeah, I can say it. I'm walking around here like this. I got this thing in my hand. I'm going to shoot. Oh, come on here. <laughs> Twist my heels. Yes, I am. I want you to hear me. I want to talk about my girls, too. The girls, we got back to Kansas. A lot of girls. Might get me to the hotway. But they have something called the critical test. Now, isn't it interesting? Every time Satan wants to tear something down, he rolls out the word critical. <laughs> I tell you what, doesn't I want to make you show up on a Sunday morning? Mm-mm-mm. That's our church. That's the congregation of the mighty. I think we should start a new trend. We should start trending truth. How about that? Let's trend the truth around the body of Christ. Order your download, I should should say, purchase your download of Sunday Sermon Today, ppmglobalresources.com. Look what's missing, the root of a powerless gospel. Man, I was sitting there talking back to the screen when I was editing, almost forgetting I was editing. I said, oh, wait, hold on, I need to actually condense this into something that we can roll out today. You don't want to miss it. Follow us on social media. Follow us on YouTube. Watch, watch, watch. Share, share, share. Tag, tag, tag. We all have a responsibility to get this message out there. And just sharing even today's broadcast. Right now, share it on your feed. Tag some people. If you're in the studio, share it. Just go online for a second and share it and say, Dr. because you're talking about what today? Did you say the soul? The soul. We're going in on the soul. The soul's master controller. That'll be the title for today, the soul's master controller. So share with your friends and say she's about to go all the way in on that. In June, we have our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, June 15th through the 18th, right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right here at the embassy. Our new home, bless God. And we want to invite you and your teenagers to come to this event. We have an event for our adults, and then in the afternoon and evening, the teenagers who will be with the adults in the morning will have their own uh, sessions that they're going to so they can be developed, having their identity being developed as the key to their destiny. Wow. Can you imagine if we would have had this at 15, 16, 17 years old, conferences that were just for our young people? At that age, with this level of integrity to the Word of God, uh, in enabling and equipping them. Last night in youth group, we were talking. I said, do you all remember what Dr. Price preached on Sunday? Yeah, she talked about those false Bibles. And I mean, they were down the street on that. And we're learning the Bible. We're going through the Bible in youth group. And, and it was like a whole new epiphany as to why we're combing through the scriptures because they at their age are fighting with other teenagers as to what's important, what's not important, what's Bible, what's not Bible, what God said, what he didn't say. And even though they know what their friends are saying isn't true, 
they don't know why. They don't know the language. They don't know where. And so there's a whole new fire under them. What was that book she was talking about? What's the title of that book? I need to get that book. Yes, you do. Look what's missing. Yes, you do. And it's exciting. You're never too young. Never too young. Tyranny's like, yes, LOL, because she's one of our youth leaders. Tyranny said, hold on. She said, the Bible I carried to church was missing the scripture. She said, I had to get rid of it and order a new one. I know that's the truth. Let us know where you're tuning in from out there on social media. It's roll call time. Are you tuning in from what part of the country, what part of the world? And let us know what is your favorite part or or aspect of our ministry, of the broadcast, of the Sunday sermons, of, well, everything that comes out of Dr. Price's mouth. What's your favorite message do you have a download that you're listening to over and over and over again you're like i just can't get enough of this one every time i think i'm done it's on repeat and i just let it play again every time it's on repeat you should be that hungry for the word of god there should be certain messages that just call you back anybody they just call you back yes you need to come back and listen to this over and over we're talking about cellulating we almost said cellulating we're talking about cellulating because <laughs> we don't want that okay we're cellulating and doing other things about the cellulite all right, we're circulating this message. And honestly, you have to, like, take a message while you're listening to the other ones, but that one that you just roll over and over and over again in your ears. Faith comes by hearing, and it's in hearing by the word of God. And you have to hear it over and over There are some messages, uh, even back in the day and now still, where I'm like, that's my go-to. That's my go-to about forgiveness, um, sometimes about the basics, because we get tripped up on the basics. We get all high and deep in revelation, and then we can't forgive our neighbor. All right, we have Hanover Park, Illinois. Tulsa's on online. All right, Bossier City, Louisiana, the boot state, Apostle Barbara Davis. How you doing with the new book out there? All right, Dallas, Texas, Rebecca from Dallas, Texas, blessed and on fire. You are blessed. And on fire, Gainesville, Florida, I love my church, Congregation of the Mighty. All right, Cassandra, and your church loves you. <laughs> okay. Ah, okay, Tyranny said her favorite is Warring for Destiny Part 1. Yes. And that's great. I think right now we're all in a war for our destiny. The country is in a war for its destiny. The church is in a war for its destiny. As individuals, anybody in the, in the studio, can you say, yes, there's a battle going on right now to war for my destiny, to push on through? I know for me, I'm breaking beyond in certain areas. Listen, you don't have to be neck deep in some secret sin in order for you to have to be warring for your destiny. All right? It's just about, am I going to obey God today? Am I going to do it his way today? Am I going to yield and conform to what he wants? What's through my life today? That's warring for your destiny, and that's what we're doing. All right, we have Danielle Joliet in the house. She said, I love the truth, training, and accessibility to trainings. And the MAQ, PAQ, and, of course, oh, she's in my executive attendant training course. Yes, if you're an executive attendant. All right, and then we have Paula Garner from Iowa, uh, Dorothea Phillips. That's Alvin's mom. How you doing? She said, good afternoon, Dr. Price, and the Congregation of the Mighty. Excellent, excellent. Oh, Abraham said, God has dealt with me recently on forgiveness. Amen, sir. You're not alone. 
I'm ringing the bell of you're not alone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Lovey says the gambler's faith is his go-to book. That's a pocket-sized book, a pocket book that Dr. Price. Well, actually, it was called used to be called Yokes That Choke and Ties That Bind, right? Yep. Which I think is just the baddest title ever. Yokes that choke and ties that bind, but it's about gambling, gambling with your faith, gambling and life. If you're that person who fights teetering on and always kind of reaching back and going to and things are calling you back, the gambler's faith is definitely that. Uh, and, and so thank you for your feedback. Keep it coming. Keep it rolling. Encourage one another online. Yes. This is my go-to because somebody else might say, oh, I haven't listened to that. I haven't read that. Let me go and get my own self set free. Bless the Lord. Because I tell you what, when you're under a heavy word, sometimes uh, you forget to do the basics, which is share, (laughs) communicate, (laughs) talk, talk to people, check in, say, I'm here at the Congregation of the Mighty. Hey, how you doing? Yes. All right. We are not going to be the best kept secret. Uh, That's not it. That's not it. We, that, no, 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 no. We're not going to be, but I say no. We're not going to be the best kept secret. No. We're going to be the most pervasive, viral, explosive, well-known, household name. Let me tell you how this works, even in your own time, breaking beyond. Prophet Marie and I have been, well, we've been friends since ORU. We were roommates in college, part of the founding members of the Tulsa branch of the ministry (laughs) and so she's my cohort prayer partner because the apostles and prophets have cohort prayer partners and we pray together every week we have a prayer call every week but then as cohorts we pray in addition to that and so we pray on mondays and god just laid on us to because we pray for media and broadcast and he laid on us to hammer numbers hammer breaking beyond hammer knocking down containment and so every day we just get on the phone and we pray at some point we pray we don't have have church we have to have prayer and so we get on and hitting the heavens and as founding members of the organization we know all the devils and things at the root of the system and so we're praying for y'all y'all roll into prayer too god oh yes and break this congregation of the mighty through lord jesus and their finances and their economy and their increase and whenever they're praying for their friends to come to to church that they come on in and you know what we're two very busy people but we're not too busy to get a thing done for god you can really tell yourself that your schedule is so tight and so packed and you're so tired and so worn out you forget that god has you on his staff he's not on ours we are on his. And tyranny said, okay. <laughs> you know, tyranny. You know, tyranny. You know how she does. Okay. God go, when God goes silent, all right? Okay. And so, um, and that's who we are. And I'm like, you know what? We're here to break this thing beyond, not just in works, not just with a regular routine. Because if you are an apostle and a prophet, and God can't instruct you when it's time to go off script, Uh-oh. when it's time to add to, when it's time to modify Prophet Angela, she is, is nodding and rocking. Yes, yes, yes. One of Dr. Price's pet peeves about prophets, and I would say apostles as well, is when you can't shift with God. When you're gonna, he's going to tell you it's time to shift and do this, and you're going to tell him everything you already have to do. We have all this to do because of God. We have all of this to do because of the assignment, because of the mandate. But he's like, but I need you to shift. What does that mean? I'm working things out. I'm moving in the heavens. I'm moving in the spirit. I need you where I am. 
and not we cannot be like Israel with Moses. Well, I don't know. We had a meet. Moses said that today we're going to go, I don't know. It just, I didn't feel. It just didn't feel right. It didn't bear witness with our spirit. I don't know. There's a whole lot of them. There's not a lot of us. Well, we haven't had a battle before. Then you know what the meeting was all about because that's how people talk now. How the leader just doesn't understand what it is when you really the ones out here while, you know, Moses is off in his tent writing books. You in your tent writing books. Okay. <laughs> you know, while Moses is off while Moses is off writing what we're reading as the as the compended scripture right now, well, you know, he's off writing some scrolls. He doesn't know what it is to be out here in the front line. He doesn't know what it is to clock in and have to drive into the office across this desert. He doesn't know what it is to have to hitch up the chariots every day because he's off writing these scrolls that he said God told him to write. <laughs> While we're doing all the real work of building the kingdom. You see how things don't change with flesh. Flesh doesn't change. It doesn't change. Well, I'm the one who has to stay up late after everybody goes home, and I'm the one who has to get up early, and you don't even know why, and, that, and, that, and, and on and on and on. And God is like, you ever just go off of your spirit? And God is like, are we done yet? Because when you're done, you're still going to get up and do it. Or I have no need of you. Apostles and prophets, apostolic saints, our purpose is to do things God's way. We're in this mess now because we have decades of leaders and followers who decided to do it their way, what was comfortable for them, what was comfortable for the people, what was easy for the sheep, what wasn't this. This is how we got here right now. And we were those people, all of us on the planet now, who were raised in that. So we have to still fight it off, even though we know this word is yay and amen. <laughs> Let me say daily. Shake my head. Amen. <laughs> All right? This word is yay and amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Preach it. But God is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Become it. We just want to jump right to do it. When you become, you do automatically. And we want to do without becoming. The whole cellulating piece is about the becoming. So it's first nature to obey God's voice, not second nature. It's first nature to respond and do what he wants us to do. So we're praying, hitting this thing. And then we're talking, I was talking about it, what, morning prayer yesterday? Man, 5.30 prayer was fire. And then what, Rachel, she says afterwards, but God was speaking to me. And I've been praying about that too. And you find out all the people that God is tapping and pushing to do, to do. We want big things in the body of Christ, big things in the ministry. And I'll tell you what, this is not the season to tell God Everything you have to do, but what he's telling you to do, saying, but I'm already doing what you told me to do. Oh, but guess what? There's more to do. We're not even scratching the surface on this mandate. It's been 20-some, 30, 40 years of Dr. Price's life, just 22 of mine, half of my life, 40 years of her life, almost half of hers, laying down the foundation. So that when we, this thing, as it comes out of the ground, and as it's about to rocket to the top of the mountain, it's not going to tip over like every other move. Become top heavy, fat heavy, greedy heavy, everything else that is taking people out, riding the wave of where the money flows. How did we get off point with prosperity? They fought, they chased that money. Oh, people start, and you know what, now they admit it. Yeah, we let that get out of control. We totally mishandled that. Uh-huh, great. And now we have a whole mess. See, we can't be those people, but everybody is susceptible to becoming those people. It's not enough to say, I would never 
mishandle. You're mishandling your homework. How are you going to say to God you're not going to mishandle your assignment in ministry when you're mishandling your homework, mishandling whatever assignment you have, mishandling your due diligences that nobody knows you're not doing but God? Yes, you will because you are. I mean, our chief apostle said it in school. How you handle your homework is how you handle your ministry. How you handle coming to class, the attitude in your car riding up to it, that's the one that's going to baptize whatever God gave you to do. But he is out of time with passing down a mess. He would just soon shell people and overwork the rest of us because y'all won't get it together. 911, get it together. Stop walking around talking about y'all work too hard. You don't work hard enough. I'm sorry. It just hit a spot in my soul right now. It hit a spot. Folk don't want to confirm, conform, don't want to grow up, don't want to mature, don't want to do your job, don't want to honor your promises to God that you told him long before you met us. You think he's, it's us telling you something. He's coming after what you said to him when you were 12 years old. He ran the campfire in youth group. Jesus is used me. I swear you. In the inner city when you were running down the street, someone trying to take your life, and you said, God, if you save me from this attack, I will serve you the rest of my life. He's coming after those promises. Not here. We just met you. <laughs> God has always known you. He said you have a list of unfulfilled promises, a list of unfulfilled things done, a list of dropouts and quitting. So get on the stick and get in your place in God and do your job so we can be prepared to get our souls ready today for what God has for us. You, you know, um, first of all, you feel a little, you're a little passionate about it. You know what? I didn't know. I didn't know I felt that deeply about it, Dr. Bryce. I just didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, one of the things that I started out this year saying, and I'm going to say it again because it's true and we're seeing it, God is that. He's beyond shelving. He's yeah. ready to bury. Oh, and see, because the failure to Understand what God is dealing with yes. is what's going to cost you your well-being because you still want to answer from 20 years ago, yes. and you haven't even gone back to see what your fruit is doing, yes. your library is doing. So I'm saying this. This is so because God, the old God is in the way. Mm-hmm. When you look at television, they're not talking the new thing. They have bought hours and hours and hours and hours of television to lock you in the old Mm -hmm. because they have made a commitment to whoever is backing them to deliver your soul to them and to their future. That's nothing new. We can look in the Bible at um, Kings, 1 Kings with the, the young prophet. See, the young prophet represents our millennials. Oh, yeah, come on. Pre and post millennials. And the young prophet, God is speaking to this person, has gotten them all groomed up. He was all excited. And this prophet was taken, immediately had an assignment. I'm going to the king. King Jeroboam, I'm telling you, you're a mess. God's getting ready to take you out, and you need to fix some things. And he was there. God so backed his word. See, we think God is backing our, backing our being. God can care less about our flesh, which is why one dies, another replaces. Okay? So. God so backed his word that when Jeroboam, the king, reached out to get him, God turned his hand leprous and made the man, I mean, the man was a mess. But the, but the young prophet, see, this is the problem with putting people up too early, too fast, too soon, too hot. 
the young prophet didn't recognize that it was about the word. It was about the mission. It was about the assignment. It was about the destiny and the calling. It wasn't about him other than the fact that he represented longevity for God's use. Mm -hmm. And so he goes and he gets out there. Now, the word was go give the word. Don't stay in the land. Don't drink water. Don't say hello. Don't do anything. See, that's the problem. When you, don't get, when you get a project, a prophecy project, it comes with restraints. It comes with conditions. It comes with restrictions and admonitions. We don't listen to that because don't, you don't know that. You don't know that's what prophets have to do. So God gave him these admonitions, the conditions of him surviving that assignment. So he decided that he was so, and because he said, do not use a novice because a novice will get puffed up with pride and become, fall into the snare of the devil, hence taken by him at his will. Now, that's what Paul understood. That's why, God, I've been spending time with you on a novice, because, see, you're about to see these novices fall. It's about to get real ugly for these novices. It's getting real embarrassing. It's getting real humiliating, and it's, it's getting real discredited. See, because they, they have the audacity to say that they discredited us. First of all, you can't even read the Bible. You haven't even met Jesus. But that's a whole other thing. Other of you, went, y'all sat there and saw him on a, on a signpost and saw him on a billboard and thought, hey, I got Jesus. But, but, but the, because when you really get Jesus, you don't turn into Satan. You don't turn into what he looks like. You don't turn into what he wears. You don't turn into how he walks. You don't turn into how to talk. You shall know them by their fruit. These kids have turned into Satan. That means they never had Jesus. Now, they might have met him, had a little talk about him, but he never converted their souls, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want you to get out your Bible to Psalm 19, so 19.7. So this young prophet decided, man, do you, can you believe what I just did? I just told off the king, and he couldn't touch me. So that means I'm higher than that king. But, you know, Ecclesiastes, King James Version, because you won't find it in the modern versions, it says that when you see unrighteousness in leadership, so to speak, don't worry because a higher official is over that official and a higher official over them. So God has a linear or what we don't like to call a hierarchical order and structure. Everybody answers to somebody. So he decides he is, I am the bomb. This is wonderful. I am, did you see that? I mean, I got this. And he was under a tree. Stoking his moment, gloating over his moment when he should have been running out of town because the admonition was race out of town because kings recover quickly. They recover very fast. So he didn't, and so he's having a blast, and meanwhile, he, he did not do what he did in Jeroboam Jer- 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 in a secret moment. It was in a prophetic meeting, mm, mm. the prophets. It was in a, almost a national meeting because when you're at that level, you're there. So the prophetic guard of the day went back and told their chief prophet mm, mm. about the new up-and-coming. Oh. 
See, that's, so they went back and they told the chief prophet, the, the senior prophet of the region, of the nation, wow, this is what happened when we were there. We were at the, at the, the, the state meeting, the national meeting, and this young prophet came in and told King Jeroboam off. And he tried to come after him, and he didn't. He prophesied to the, actually to the altar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he told the altar what was going to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Now, you almost can't get that until you understand that when you are in, when you're in a high seat or you're a sovereign, every element, every instrument, every piece of everything is in you and belongs to you. So God wanted to save his life. He wanted to get this word out in public, but he wanted to save his life, so he made him prophesy. He well understood, because leaders know when you're talking to them. That's why they leaders. Come on, come on. So the king understood. And so he, they're telling him, and so the chief prophet says, uh-uh, competition is rising. Truth is trying to speak in. Uh-oh. Go invite him to dinner. Mm. Now, God had told him, don't eat, don't drink, don't stop, just hit it and quit it and run. Run for your life. He didn't do that, so he went to dinner because after all, and the chief prophet was there. He said, he invited him. He said to him, he came, we're going to bring you in because you're the new person, and we either have to bow to you or we have to dirty you up. Mm-hmm. He said, but God told me, the prophet knew. Some of you all got that first word from God, but God told me not to, don't do, whatever, and lay out what God told him. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, but an angel. Oh, okay. See, Many of you don't even know that God is above his angels. Oh, I'm going to say this. So, and then he said, yeah, but an angel, because chief prophets drop down when you stop talking to God and you begin to talk to his forces, then you drop down from your, your station of one-on-one with God and you become conversant with his spiritual agents. The reason God said that he was not taking Israel into the promised land is because he said, Israel does not know how to handle me directly. He said, so I'm going to send my angel before you. Now, I have to send my angel or I'm going to kill you along the way. He said that. He said, I'm going to have to kill you because you all keep offending my holiness, my my supremacy, my righteousness, my purity. So I don't... I don't want the God who saw me bring you out of Egypt to think I can't take you into the promised land. So I'm removing myself from the situation. And I'm sending my angel instead. Don't you all like that? Yeah. Because a lot of these people are listening to angels now. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Because God downgraded them from being in his clothes session, closed chambers. See, in my dictionary, I have a word called sowed or S-O-D or S-O-D-E. If you have my dictionary, look it up. It talks about the closed chambers meetings and sessions that God brings his highest officials in. That's why they are not confused when, when Satan tries to, to uh, perform or mis- confuse the word with smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. 
Because, uh, you know, God, see, in the high chambers, you get the alpha and omega. And if you hold on to the alpha and you expect the omega, then all that in the middle can't disturb you or deter you. So the chief prophet said, an angel. See, I'm not on one-on-one with God any longer. I'm not in the secret chambers any longer. I'm not having access to the meetings any longer. Things that God's going to do. I'm not doing that because somewhere along the line, God cut my channel. That's why all of these old guards are not getting the new move. Because God stopped talking to them. He cut off their channel. He took their access. He downgraded their codes so that not only will the doors not open, when you're in God, it's not a matter of the door not opening only. It's a matter of the door disappearing. I've got to get you, what you get to get your look off your door. No, no, not yet. We're saving that for something else. So understand, so the chief prophet couldn't corroborate what the new prophet got. Could not corroborate that word. Could not corroborate. Because if the chief prophet had still been talking to God, he would have said, what are you doing here? Why were you under that tree? You're not even supposed to be at my dinner table. No. Eventually he did say that. But not after he's not until after he seduced him. So you have to understand. You keep saying, "Well, none of the big guys are saying what you're saying," because they said all they said, and because they did not see God's change coming. They did not see God's future because they were shut out of the high meeting, the meeting that inducts you. Now, how do I know that? If you read Zechariah 3, that's the high meeting. Zechariah 3 was the high meeting. What God's getting ready to do, changes are happening. Elijah in the mountaintop, that was the high meeting. So they didn't know, behold, I do a new thing, is defined and described in Scripture. They didn't understand that the former things are no more. That's described in Scripture. But other people, the, the old God is the, has moving from tending to God and transmitting what he says to turf defending. They're not defending God. They're defending their turf. The old prophet, that chief prophet, was defending his turf because what had happened was that his whole company had gone and got a taste of what's coming, got a taste of the new, and he's like, y'all not leaving me. So I will see to it that you stay attached and fused with my purpose, even though I've aged out of what God is doing. See, you have to know when you've aged out of where God is going and what God is doing. These people, you're watching them on TV, you, got to, you get to listen to them four or five times a day, say nothing. Because they are running on angels. 
That's why they're now talking about piercing is okay and tattooing is okay because they have fallen from grace. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. It's very important. And this happens all the time. When Jesus came, turf defense. So we're no longer hearing from God. So now you're the angels, and the angels are bringing in the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. But you got to read the you got to read the original authorized translation. Come on, come on. Because you have got, so this this chief prophet was like, oh no, you're not. No, no, we're not doing that. And he sat there. After he told him, he knew. See, he was in, he knew what God told this prophet because he might have been lying for a lot of years. But at this point, he told the truth. And he told the truth so that the lie would take him out. He said, but thus saith God, I told you. Now, this prophet was young enough for, to be seduced because he was enamored by the old guard. See, some of you all, you're so enamored by the old guard, you, don't, you haven't even inspected what they're guarding. So you need to inspect, evaluate, assess what they're guarding. Because they're guarding their friend. They're guarding their mama. They're guarding their daddy. They're guarding their family's legacy. They're guarding the years that they put into something. They're guarding the money that they've sunk into things that are now dead. Check out what they're guarding. Inspect that guardianship. Wow. So this young prophet who would have been the catalyst for the new day, the catalyst, the breakthrough for the new beginning, he ends up being killed and the old goes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was taken out. Not just because he disobeyed, but, cause, but, but the, the source of his uh, disobedience was enamorment, enamorment with the old. He was esteeming the old, not realizing the reason God spoke to you is because the old is as aged out of God's wisdom. Can't even hear God. Don't know what God is saying. I don't have a clue. What, the, what is God saying? I don't. Uh, and it happens more often than you would think. Elisha, in the, in the, he, he has literally created the environment for the new thing God is doing. And it's not pretty. See, because you've been told by evangelicals that all prophecy ought to be pretty or it ought to end on a positive note and all of that, you can't talk God. Because the, the prophetic today has been gutted. But people like eating the guts. <laughs> you like that. So you have to understand. So he goes and he prophesies. This old prophet, this old lion prophet, he lied to him to get him to come back home, but he also could not use his original credentials to, to seduce him. So his divine credentials have dropped down to celestial ones. I'm using angels. I'm moving by angels. See, there's a stop. That's sovereign credentials because when you read Zechariah three, you can see how God 
behaves when he's changing guard. So he, he, he tells him, and the minute he tells him, the man, you can understand how sorrowful he feels. He's lost. He's for a long My first assignment, the first time we read that happening is song. Now we read it with him. My first assignment, and I fall prey and victim to the old. And God's not going to talk to him. You can tell God didn't want to fix it. He didn't want to repair him. So he and God must have had some very intimate, intimate up close face-to-face and direct contact because God forgave a lot of other prophets. Is something about what he did or is it the season in which he did it? Because you have to ask yourself, what did he do? I mean, we got Ahab, we're talking about acting like the king. We got God forgiving this prophet and that prophet. He's, but this one, this one, why? Because he was a change agent. His job was to be the turnkey, to shut down the old and to ignite or at least pave the way for the new. And he didn't understand his purpose. He should not have been sitting at that table with the old guard. He should not have even been under the tree where they found him. They shouldn't have been able to locate him. See, this is what, these are the nuances of prophetic service that, do, that just don't come out of fast-track training. Come on, man. Because fast-track training is technique. This is how you prophesy. This is how you respond to this or that in prophecy. But office, especially high office training, has got to give you the mind of the office creator. So you have to have the whole mind of God. He couldn't understand God's wisdom. Why is it that God didn't want me to sit there? I mean, I went, I had to struggle to get all the way there. I was hungry. I mean, oh, come on. And then I had the greatest moment in my life. And now the chief, the old, what you fulfill in any name today for that process. They invited me to dinner. I'm actually getting there. I, I mean, I've never been, and now I'm invited to dinner. Now, you have to understand that chief prophet was the royal prophet of the land. Consider, equate this person to, da- to David's Nathan. So that was a big thing. I'm in a big meeting. I'm sitting here. I'm called up to prophesy to the king of the land. I'm sitting there with all of the prophets in the land saying, I am the one. I'm it. Uh. And then on top of it, I get rewarded with dinner with the top prophetic official in the land. Now, who would not be seduced by that? A novice. A novice is always seduced by that because they have no instinct. They have no frame of reference for seduction. They have no frame of reference of failures and all of those other things. So you have to, I mean, that, you know, I, I have a course called God's Prophetic Cases. And so I talk about the cases because we're so busy looking at it as um, allegory and poetry and parables, etc. We don't realize that this is God's case log that we're hearing right now. And it's an example. So what does he do? He goes out and God uses a lion to kill him. Now, lions represent sovereignty. So, you know, and dominion. So you were seduced by high powers. Oh, oh. So I want you to understand that 
I'm going to take you out. Something between what happened to that prophet and between what happened with that prophet and God made God so angry he didn't want him to open his mouth again. Mm-hmm. One of the things that would have happened was that he would, because he disobeyed God, he would have been seduced by that chief prophet and he would have become part of that company. Mm-hmm. Very interesting analogy, isn't it? And then on top of that, lion, the lion didn't eat him, just killed him. And then the lion bred honey. He started eating the honey. The, the honey, my honey. Because it's a seduction of sweet things. Sweetness. It sounds sweet. And sweet things are getting ready to take a lot of people out. Between now and 2023, sweet things. I have a teaching that I do, and I've done several times, on false doors. Knowing when a door is false. And in that, we talk about there are things. See, that, that chief prophet, that land, <clears throat> that king for judgment. And when you touch something that's marked for judgment, it's the same as if you touch something that's on fire. You are burned. Because you're touching what God already marked for judgment because God can't reverse his word. So the agents to bring his word to pass, they have to do what he says. Let's look at Lot and the two angels. Hey, God, we got to drag you out of here because um, we can, you're going to die. And God made a promise to Abraham about his seed. Mm-hmm. So we have to snatch you out. Does this speak to some of you all? How are my, how is my Facebook so you're going to get invitations. You better find out if you should be at that table. You better find out where that host stands with the Almighty. You better find out where, what they've been teaching. Because you haven't inspected these prophets. You need to listen to my teaching on a prophetic pedigree. Because you need to know the pedigree of these prophets. Whose table are they feasting at? Whose material? Are they teaching? How mixed is it? How pure is it? Because this thing, God's future is upon us. It's happening. It doesn't really care whether we approve it or not. God is like, you're with me or you're not. Jesus is the greatest example of God's attitude and his, his sentiments about a change. They wanted to bog him down with all kinds of things. All kinds of family issues and your mama, your brothers. Then we got the, the, the whole issue with the brothers talking about why aren't you showing off? Why aren't you strutting your stuff in John chapter 7? And then we've got the, 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 the existing God telling him that he's crazy and it's not right. Those are all signs of God being done. God Because, see, God has to protect his, what he's together today because it's so embryonic. It's fetal. It's adolescent. It's not yet mature. So he's got to protect it. You know, Jesus going through Samaria. Now, he'd been to Samaria before, and of course, they had issues, but now he steadfastly, I'm going. I, I got to what? Because I've got to finish the plan and the purpose for which I was not only made, but which, for which I was sent. God's future does not care about the present. And if you are not going
going to be a part of his future. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be in your place because there are a lot of people who have to maintain the all of the old because of the, they are chain link in the continuum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just if you're a chain link in the continuum of the old, then you're just going to be you're going to be, God just leave you sitting on the side of the road, but you're not going to be out front. You will not take the lead. You will not be instrumental in handling what God wants. And so every all of your inflections will be tied to your reflections. So because all you can talk about is old, you're governed by the old. Your consciousness is by the old, and you didn't take time to do any more than hear about the new. Because when you assimilate, when you cellulate, it talks. You know, I've said to you before, the scripture talks. I can tell who, is, who reads their Bible a lot because it talks. It talks to you, and it doesn't just inform you. It doesn't just update you like an auto-update. It educates you. And then it influences you, and then it becomes part of from influence to confluence. It becomes part of your flow. Mm -hmm. So Jesus taught the scriptures all the time. He didn't just teach them. He taught them because he said, I am the word, the living word. So when this thing is cellulated in you, you don't know anything else. Your consciousness is not conflicted. Mm -hmm. If you still have a conflicted consciousness, it's because you and God still have issues. Because, I mean, it's like your job. When you become a, a police officer or any other official, you are conflicted. Now, you may have moments where you have to say, wow, that's, I don't know how I feel about that. But you're not conflicted about your position. It's calling or what it requires, mm-hmm. what it demands of you. It just doesn't happen. You talk it, you walk it, you think it, you sleep it, you eat it. And, and as a matter of fact, you'll know that it's working because people are going to tell you. Oh, so you really, y'all, so you really all in with Jesus. And I say, but Jesus is all in me. Come on, come on. So, so you're not going to make this an offense. Right. <laughs> Jesus is all in me. You know, blackness is all in me. You, I can scrape this thing with the sore, get a scab for the last three months. When you pull it off, that bright red flesh is just going to be there temporarily because black coming back. <laughs> <laughs> coming back. That's how it is with Jesus. Physiological makeup, my biology sees to it that my scars do not return another color. So your offenses will not change the Jesus in me. Because I'm not doing Jesus. I'm not following Jesus. I'm not just loving Jesus. I am being Jesus. And you can no longer change that in me Then you can change my skin color Or the fact that I am a woman All of these cosmetics will not change the fact That there's nothing on the other side Of that snipping and cutting Wasn't that nice? Wonderful And I could do tasteful now and again I've been known to do tasteful So as we talk about today we're going to go into something that I do every second Sunday. I do Let's Talk Soul Sunday, and we do that to give you an understanding of your soul because we must believe to the saving of our soul. The end of our faith is the salvation of our soul. I think that's kind of important. 
Our soul must be converted. Our soul must. So all of the work that you're doing in your Christian walk, your saved walk, is about your soul literally reconstructing your soul to become eligible for eternity. All of this soul reconstruction. Now, here's the sad part, because Christians have kind of snapped and dabbed at it because we really kind of like the spirit. Spirit gifts, you know, we've got spiritual gifts. We are the fruit of the spirit. You know, we, got, we like the spirit, but it's that the spirit is already taken care of to, to the degree that it is literally fused to the Holy Ghost, which is how God keeps breathing in your spirit. Now, that's not to say that, because I really want you to get this, that's not to say that there's not a work to be done in your spirit, because it is. But your new creation spirit is, is excellent raw material. It's Godhead raw material. Because when you were born again, God switched out the corrupt material that was unresponsive to him, that could not be converted, and he installed of Christ. So you all walk around talking about, I, I, I just don't believe in Jesus Christ. You're not saved. Write it down. I don't believe in Christ. And because I don't believe in Christ, I am unsaved, and I am going to hell. Now, the reason you're going to hell is not because God's responding to all of that other stuff. You're going to hell because you were born belonging to hell. That's why you have to be born again, because you were born belonging to hell. Hell knows it. That's why hell is holding on. Hell is holding fast. Hell knows you belong to them. You belong to it. What they, hell is not really bothering you. Hell is just tending to you like, it, like a, a parent. It's tending to you. It's feeding you what you like. It's feeding you the booze. It's feeding you the sex. It's feeding you the anger. It's feeding you the wrath. It's feeding you the perversion. All of that, hell is doing because you are its child. What did Peter talk about? So when we come in and mess with you, those of you who are pretending to be saved, you are the twofold child of sin that Peter's talking about. Fold one, how you were born. Fold two, your hypocrisy. Are we okay? So when he says twofold, twofold has to do with the pretenders. It has to do with the hypocrites. It has to do with those who went halfway and decided not to do it. Oh, no, I opted out of that. Those who are just church people, you sit in his church, but you don't want to do his works. So when you are, when we're born, so this whole idea about, well, God's going to send you to hell. No, the question is, is he going to get you out? See, we've taught it backwards. Is he going to get you out? Satan owns you. He has first dibs on you, and he knows it. That is his reward for tricking Adam. It was a contest. Could have been a chess match. Could have been a sword fight. It didn't matter. They had a contest, and he tricked Adam into selling you to him so that he could give his this fallen comrade by a logical existence. That is why Cain is listed as the firstborn of the wicked one. Cain is his firstborn. He's Adam's firstborn, but he wasn't born before Adam fell. 
own him since spirits come from your father. Satan, he is Satan's firstborn. That is where that's the origin of false everything on earth. False religion, paganism, all of that. See, if you, I mean, it's okay to me if you don't want to be a Christian. I don't have a problem with that. To be honest with you, I'm working out my own soul stuff. Okay. Because I got to, I have to endure to the end. How I began is really nice. Everybody is happy with the newborn baby, but when it grows up to be a mass murderer, all of a sudden they're not all that pleased. See, what I bring is the wisdom. We've had the word. We've had the works. I'm giving you the wisdom. For wisdom is the principal thing. So I'm giving you the wisdom. So telling people that they're going to go to hell is only a colloquialism because actually people have to get out of hell. I will ransom them from the grave. I will redeem them from the waterless pit. See, you belong to hell. Your soul belongs to hell because everything that comes through Adam's flesh, flesh is not just destined to hell. It's not even just doomed to hell. It is a native of hell. That is why we have to take on the divine nature. Are y'all okay with this? See, because that's why everybody, we want to have revival. I'm like, revival? How are we going to have a revival? I'm not even trying to be funny. How are we going to have a revival? Are y'all hearing me? Mm-hmm. When we haven't had Bible. <laughs> we need Bible. <laughs> we haven't been vibed. We have no Bible. We have survival. But we don't have Bible. I'm saying this because you have got to stop thinking the old evangelical way. To them, soul winning were masses coming to altars, saying a prayer. Some of them were really very diligent, and they did have Bible study and conversions and cell groups, etc. But much of it was based on Jesus coming into hearts. We had a fragment. Thank God for that fragment to talk about being born again, new creature in Jesus Christ. Thank God for them. But obviously it wasn't enough of them because look at where we are. Right. And yet here we are. So all of these people are saying, Jesus, come into my heart. And Jesus is like, I can't get in there. I have no legal right to enter your heart. I've got to give you the heart that I own. I've got to switch your heart so that the heart of doom and death is replaced by the heart of redemption and thus eternal life. See, people don't teach salvation like that. That is why folks walking around talking about Jesus doesn't mind. How do you know? You don't even belong to him, so how are you going to know he doesn't mind? That's like saying the thief saying the people, the homeowners won't mind if I clean them out. They don't mind. Do you know that you're taking their favorite Oh, they won't mind. And then what do they say? They expect it to be robbed because they knew thieves exist and they shouldn't have acquired something that was appealing to thieves. So it's Jesus' fault that you're not going to heaven. No, no. Mm-mm. That's not how that works. And I need you to recognize, because it's very important that 
you understand that is what scripture's authoring mantles teach and taught, meaning the apostles and prophets. You can understand, we taught that. God did not use a pastor to write a scripture. He didn't even use a bishop to write a scripture. They wrote mandates and expressions from the scriptures, but God used prophets and apostles. And clearly, he understood that there was something, some way he built them, some way that he constructed them that would make them impervious to Satan's usual seductions and deceptions. Now, I won't say all of them. I'm talking about now their construction, the construction that brought us this word and the word that hell keeps trying to obliterate because Satan knows that this, that this is true. How, how can I say that? Well, he's not, yeah, yeah, he does. He was born in this world. He was born where they didn't need a Bible because they were born as the Bible. He lived, he originated as Scripture, as the biotic God, as the biotics of God's nature, as the, the cellulation of God's nature, the spiritual cells that exist long before God put Adam in flesh. I hope y'all getting this because I'm about to get it. Y'all getting, are you getting it? <laughs> we got the reason God shut down evangelism is because it wasn't giving him people. It was giving the church numbers. God's like, wait a minute, I got numbers. I started this thing with numbers. An innumerable company of angels. <laughs> I got to get a little can I get a little water here? I'm gonna get me some water. I got the sip. Y'all need a breath anyhow, so let me just <laughs> catch your breath. What, we, what they call apostles' doctrine was evangelical renaming because this is the doctrine of apostles. God has an issue. This is the doctrine of prophets. God has, God has an adversary. He created for himself one opponent, one adversary. Why? To exploit his, his belief in his value and free will. And to show people what happens when you don't do God's will, you turn into God's adversary. Because you turn into it because you turn to it. So has an adversary. He, he created the adversary. He said, I created the waster to destroy. I created my own refuse system. I created my own manufacture of garbage, trash, and landfill. I created that. So if I didn't create it, then it rules me. I created it because I knew that at some point, no matter how superb I am, one of my, at least one of my creatures would not want me. See, this is wisdom. Angels bring wisdom. John is on the Isle of Patmos. And Jesus sends his angel to tell John the end time. And in one passage, the angel said, and here is wisdom. Because wisdom is the almighty. You need to understand that. The world chases wisdom, and they're as obsessed with wisdom as they are with the soul. Remember, Eve, when she, when she fell, what did she say? She, said, she was saying, it's the, the, make them wise. What made her eat? Wisdom. So, and if you look at Proverbs 8, 
I love saying this. Yeah, yeah y'all can sow a seed on this one here. Okay? Proverbs 8 says wisdom is a woman. So all of y'all keep talking about women are not supposed to be in ministry. You need to start with Proverbs 8.22. Because wisdom is the first thing God grabbed before he started doing anything. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is always a female, which is why the church is a female. Because God is the word. And the female, his wisdom. Because wisdom is a producer, embodier. Because women flesh out things, sow seeds. I just thought that would be nice, don't you think? Which is why the soul is, is considered a sheep. Because it fleshes out what the seed of the word produces. That's just why the Holy Ghost is considered a womb. So you'll call you all. I'll sit down to the table with any of y'all. I'm trying to tell you that God did not, that God's not gay. He did not make the church a he. He made it a she. Because he operates on opposites. I did. I had a, he does. God operates on opposites. He everything, day, night, good. He, that's why the whole the whole agenda, you can tell that the spirit of that agenda has blinded the wisdom and the intelligence of the people following it. Because God operates on opposites. A C, D C, Alpha, Omega, front, back. Everything is to balance. Life's about the balance and his balance is having opposites of each other. Yes. <laughs> so you can sit there and talk about all day long, this is how God made you. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not how God made you. It's how Satan reformed you. He mutated you because he couldn't deal with God's opposite either. So he has to create it. I keep telling you, God didn't give devils wives. That's why they reproduce themselves as demons to get them. Y'all all right? Do you all want me to end the broadcast right now? No, no, no. Social media, you want me to end it now? Because you know. See, why, is, why am I saying that? Yeah, I throw those things out there so you understand that we need wisdom. We lack wisdom. We have got word, we have got works, and we have got witness. We have not had wisdom. Because wisdom would have answered these things differently. You know, by, I mean, what I'm saying, science has proved. You know, not nobody's paying them any attention these days, but they have proven. You know, and so somebody went out and found one animal. Y'all going to like this one. One animal that did not obey the he, she laws of nature and decided that's justified. Right. Come on, guys. Come on. So, but anyway, <clears throat> so when we're talking about how God thinks, Wisdom is where God is. And I'm telling you, you can say all day long, I, I don't, yeah, you can say all day long that I don't think God called a woman to preach. I don't know why he used her to create. As a matter of fact, 
I'm going to be bold enough to read it to you so all you women listen and all you brothers listen and all you pastors find out that you've been not only biased, but you've been abusive of God's precious gift. So I'm going to show it to you because, see, this is not just bias. This is abuse. Some of you are because I know the cruel things y'all try to write to me. I just don't care. You understand? You can't move me. See, you can't move truth. You can mull over a lie, but you can't move truth. Truth very stubborn. Because it's the foundation of all existence. See, and so y'all start, all of y'all little false apostles, stop writing me. <laughs> but you got to be false if you don't know that God doesn't hate what you hate. He's not intimidated by what you're intimidated with. Ladies, sisters, female, estrogen. <laughs> It's a biological fact That is why Paul said Help these women who are laboring me in the truth Because see, old world, unsaved, third world Has to keep Eve under man's foot Which is the purpose of the cross To let you know, to bring us back to day six Of creation Male and female made him them. Women, Adam had Eve in him. But this book, this book said that she was part of the process. So let me go here to, I'm going here. I'll go here. The whole of Proverbs 8 is about a woman in power. So is Proverbs Nine, wisdom, which is why wisdom calls apostles and prophets, according to Luke 49. It wisdom calls. Did not say what all the others said, wisdom calls. So you all are supposed to be great in wisdom, which is why I flood everything with wisdom. Because, see, I don't tell God he got it wrong. I don't tell God that women are rebellious and men are wicked. I tell God, is this what you wrote? Then this is what we do. The Lord possessed me, Proverbs. Now, you can go read 8, because 8 says wisdom makes kings. Wisdom makes warriors. See, all of this here stuff, why in the world would God write that? Mm-hmm. Now, I know some of you all got those phony Bibles, those, okay. you know, those Christless, godless Bibles. That is your problem. But you are not going to tell me that how I work truth. Is wrong because you've never heard it. Come on, come on. The Lord possessed me wisdom because you have to read in the beginning. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta do it right though because you can't do it wrong and then think you're gonna get effect. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Understanding has a she voice. She stands in the top of the high places by the way in the places of the path. She cries at the gates. The gates meaning what? Authority. What's at the gate? Kings, monarchs, ambassadors, prophets, wisdom, merchants, all of that, the gate. So wisdom cries at the gate, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors. Unto you, O men. I think it's very interesting. At this point, I probably can forgive the men thing. But anyway, unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Now, those are gender-specific because of King James, because when you track them, 
they are not gender specific or gender different, differentiated. It said, but we're going to go with that. Oh, ye simple. I like simple. Don't you understand? It says someone, look at this, simple, someone innocent, easily misled, or ignorant, naive, open-minded, but foolish. That's what it is. It says, oh, ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools be of an understanding heart, because wisdom enters your heart. When you get a new heart from God, you get his wisdom as part of that heart. Here, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words. So y'all cussing saints, you understand? That's abominable. Okay, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Nothing forward or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction. Man, God didn't have a woman teach a man. Receive my instruction. <laughs> I know God. God knows women can't think. He won't have a woman teach a man. I'm a woman. I'm teaching humans. Okay? Humans. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. So you know how folk like to just chase after the physical wealth? She's saying wisdom created all of that and dominates it. She distributes it. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I like this one. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And find out knowledge of witty inventions. I'm just done. I find out, which means I'm always discovering, and I'm on a, a discovery path of finding out witty inventions, new things. So wisdom is the source and the backdrop of all inventions. And she tells you why. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance. And you know, y'all say we shouldn't break. That's arrogance. That's pride. And the evil way, bigotry. And the fraud with mouth. And she said, do I hate? So she has a right to just lay her hatred out. So even though Solomon wrote the book, y'all are right with me on this one, right? Solomon may have written the Proverbs or as far as we, we know, but God says wisdom breathed the text. So wisdom said, I dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Now look at what she said, counsel. You know how many counseling institutions we have? Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I understanding. And the way they wrote it is interesting. I understanding, I have strength. Or I understanding have strength. Mm -hmm. Uh Because you can have all the facts you want, but without understanding, you're still powerless. By me. Now, here's where we go. Come on. Come on, you all. God won't put a woman in authority. God won't have a woman over a man. Are you kidding? He can't get into power without her. By me, kings reign. 
Oh, I can't go past it like that. <laughs> I, was, I just can't. Anyone you like, go ahead. Does she, is it not written? 815, what does she say? By me, kings reign. And princes decree judgment. That's the judicial system. By me, princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Doesn't that sound like Jesus Christ? Sounds just like him. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that wisdom was hid in Jesus Christ. Didn't that say that? Because in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him was hid. What was hid in Adam? Eve. Come on. So he's the man. Y'all better buy me a nice lunch because I'm working hard right now. I want a nice lunch. Y'all two out there, I want a nice lunch. She said, but because she said this is what's in her. She said, but in me, I love that. Don't you understand that? So in Find me. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me. That is why the church is so wealthy, because the church is his wife. And that means she's the wisdom of his creation. Mm. That's why Satan keeps trying to crush the church. He is abusing the man's wife. And he's using a lot of his in inside people to do so. Riches and honor are with me. This is wisdom. She, wisdom and honor is with, with wisdom. Okay. All right? Durable riches and righteousness. Now, I looked up the word dur- durable, and it comes from the word that means antique. Old wisdom, old money. Then she says, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Why is she saying that? Because she just told you, I search out witty inventions, and clearly I'm distributing those, that wisdom and that knowledge to people. So when they make money, it's because I gave them the wealth or the power to make the money. So y'all could talk to me all day long, but you know what? God has really blessed me, and I give him all the praise because he has filled me with his wisdom. I am personifying what he wants to be known about wisdom, women, and his wife, the church. Now, look at what she tells you. She got her standards. She said, I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the path of judgment. So there's a lot of paths to judgment, but there's only one path to wisdom. And this is, he, she said, this is why, listen to this, verse 21, that I may cause those that love me. Oh, God, I got to hit a bell. I need to hit some here, my thing. Uh-huh. Thank you for doing your job. Bring that thing, girl. Bye. There you go. 
Why? And she tells you why. That I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. And I will fill their treasures. So how many of us know about the stupid mistake that cost us? The stupid decision that cost us. The stupid judgments that we made. The stupid decisions and the rash, impulsive act. She's saying, but wisdom rewards your love for it because what you love, you tend to. What you love, you pursue. What you love, you celebrate and you obey. She says, I bring treasure. I inherit substance. Look up that word yourself. And then she said, but this is where she comes. I love it. She, she then says, yeah, I do all of this, but let me tell you how and why I do it. Let me tell you where my credentials come from, where my credibility comes from. She said, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. Don't talk to me about God having issues with women. You need to read your Bible. Hopefully you get one that makes sense. Verse 23, I was set up from everlasting. Listen to this, because this is powerful. (laughs) From the beginning or ever the earth was. We predate earth. Wisdom predates earth. That means in the God realm. This is how it was. This is the the, the eternal architecture. And it says here, when there were no depths, that means there was not even water. Water didn't exist. I was brought forth. When there were no foundations abounding with water, we're older than water. (laughs) That's real. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. That means older than dirt. You didn't get that Well as yet he had not Made the earth Or fields Nor the highest part of the dust Of the world That's a mountain Oh I don't know about you but I'm just I'm worn out with this myself When he prepared the heavens I was there When he set a compass Upon the face of the earth That's the four quarters North, south, east, west Okay When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the foundations of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Do you notice that 29 is earth? That means he's talking about another creation. Then I was by him as one brought up with him, but that was as one brought up, and I was daily delight, rejoicing always before him. Now, those are calicized words. How do you get brought up with God? (laughs) See, you see how some of this stuff didn't make sense, and you kept saying, what? And I was daily delight, rejoicing always before him. This is a being saying, I'm rejoicing before The almighty God. I was with him every step of creation. So now you know why he went after Eve. So you had to think about it for a little bit. Then you had sometimes I have to take a breath. I'm going to get some water for you all. Sit some more. I'm going to sip a little something. (laughs) I know it's right. (laughs) 
Mm. And it says, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up. So we got all of this other experience before earth, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of men or humans. That's the only thing that I would change. Could you put him? And then, wait a minute. You put human. You know how you hear people say, well, you know, I don't use gender. Hugh, man. Man. I just want to say. And so she's saying when God finished earth, well, we don't know which one. Because Genesis says that God replenished the earth. Now, therefore, hearken to me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that hears me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. That's, that, would be, that would be the courts. That would be the palace. That would be the council. That would be the universities. That would be the classrooms. That would be whatever we call education. All of those are her doors. She said, so y'all need to be in my class all the time. You realize how many wisdom classes we had out there didn't cover this? I wonder why. Okay. I understand, girl. I understand. So wisdom was in in Adam until the Holy Ghost again. You did that again? I did it again. Do you want me to just, do I need some more water? Okay, I just, you know, I got some, I got some to sit there, you know. Um, for whoever finds me finds life because wisdom brings life. Why are people dying? Because life has been replaced with death. We all talk about the death death culture. We talk about the death stronghold. We talk about the funeraries, all of that rock music, all of that rap music, all of that is death. Because death is reigning. And death reigns when people don't have God's wisdom. Because it's the wisdom that brings life, and wisdom is life. That means women give life. We are enlighteners. So you cannot humiliate me. I will not be. Are you kidding? I am really good at this, and I worked it. That's right. I'm 70 now. I could be really good and bold. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but look at this. Wisdom is like I'm not going to wrestle with you. She said, "But he that sins against me wrongs his own soul." Oh. See, y'all didn't catch that. Yeah. Soul. Yeah. Yeah. Soul. wrongs his own soul, and all they that hate me love death. So why do we have kids dying? Why do we have them committing suicide? Why do we have people, whatever? Because they love death. We are, this whole release, the church being bound up and releasing the strongholds of ignorance, impurity, abomination. All of that guaranteed death. Because, see, all these gods are hunting for their, their followers. Yeah. 
I just want to read a little bit of chapter 9 because I'm going to show you one other thing. Yeah, you can, I'm not going to read the whole thing because, mm, hallelujah, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. So seven things, seven pillars, principles, whatever, holds up or upholds God's wisdom. Wisdom rests on seven things. And if you go in Isaiah 11, you get to see them. She has killed her beast, which means she's done her sacrifice. She can ready invite you to dinner. She has killed her beast. She has mingled her wine. She has also furnished her table. Wisdom has a table. She has sent forth her maidens. Oh, she has a following. Yeah, all they got over there is women. Aha. Uh-huh. Here we go. Here we go. All we got over there is women. Are you kidding? Women made you. Because God called wisdom a woman, his wife, at the beginning of his way. You are born again in a church that God defines as a woman. But he also calls them sons. He didn't call them married. Um, You know, you got to read the Bible. How many of you all know that this is important? And so she sent forth her maidens. She cries upon the highest part of the cities. Wisdom will always be at the top. That's why the church ruled the world before it started wanting to be like what it ruled. Okay. Who, whoever is simple, let them turn here as for him that wants understanding, she says to him, come eat of my bread. I am the bread of life. Come eat of my bread and drink of my wine, which I have mingled. In other words, she has a special formula for her wine, for the wine of the spirit. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. He that reproves a scorner gets himself shame, and he that rebukes a wicked man gets himself a blind. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase. And the last one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy. It didn't even just say holy one. It said the holy because God's whole realm is holy. It's understanding. For by me, thy days shall be multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased. She already said, I decide what lives and dies. For if if thou be wise, thou be wise for yourself. So you're getting smart. They help nobody but you. <laughs> and if you scorn, you alone will bear it. And then he goes on, she goes on to talk about a foolish woman and how they are. See, that's the other side. We've got wisdom and we've got the foolish woman. I don't know if that's for, to you all, but I'm going to show you all. Because, see, I did not step out and give my whole life for nothing. I did not. I did not. I would not. But this is something that lets you know how God reinforces this. And and reading all of this according to how God wrote it is important. Wouldn't you say? All right. So Psalm 45, I just, you know, Psalm 45 is about Jesus Christ and him getting his wife. I know we don't read that a lot. But it says um, here, a song of love. My heart indicting a good matter. I speak of things which I have made touching the king 
my tongue is the pen of a ready, ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured upon thy lips. Therefore, God has blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy side, and, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach you terrible or awesome things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemy, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, see, this is Hebrews. It's brought all the way back to Hebrews. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. That means rule, scepter, synonym for rule. You, thou lovest righteousness and hates wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above your fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters are among the honorable women upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of her fear. Hearken, O daughters, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So the king greatly desired thy beauty, for he is thy lord. Worship thou him. That kind of kills the whole family thing that y'all all riding on. All right. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even rich among the people shall inherit thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is wrought of gold. She shall be brought to the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought to thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought, and they shall enter. Did you notice that it's the women that he's inherited? Did, you, did anybody notice that? See, you can, you can say all of that if you decide, I just want a New Testament-only Bible, but that's in there too. It's, uh, this is carried over to the New Testament. So I want you to understand that it doesn't make a difference how much you find the cultural statements that say we shouldn't be. But I'm telling you, it was never meant to be. And as much as Jesus was meant to be Savior, and as much as he was anointed Christ, that's how much we are validated by him. Now, do we need to learn? Absolutely, we need to learn. Do we need to get some, some sense? Yeah, we probably need to get a little bit of that. But then look at what we're dealing with. You know, and the reason that I'm doing this, because I need you all to stop writing stupid. <laughs> Because you can walk around and talk about your manhood, how great it is, how God never called a woman, and I say, according to Matthew 7, your fruit is saying something else. Wow. Look at the state of our world. Look at the state of the church while we were under this gender bind. And look at the state of the people of God. Look at government. See, look at business. Look at all of these things that obviously we're not running on wisdom because how did we get here? And when people try to bring that up to me, I say, but how did we get here? I just need you to tell me how we got here because I get, you know, you all don't think I read my Facebook, but I do. And some of you all I answer. Some of you I answer smartly. Others I give you a little bit of time. Then I'm done because it says rebuke, rebuke a reprove a scorner. And it will, you will be shamed by it. They will shame you. Rebuking scorners, reproving scorners will shame you. 
because they're the ones that are that'll get on 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 Facebook and get on various uh, a broadcast and start talking about you false and you don't know what you're talking about because they're scorners. Okay. <laughs> they're ignorant, and the ignorant can do nothing but disdain and disparage wisdom because wisdom is denied them. Let's get us back how we started. We started with this this young prophet lacked wisdom. It it wasn't. You could tell the prophet did not know the lay of the land. That young prophet did not know how the system went. That prophet did not know the things that God knew that would happen to him had he become part of its structure, including the fact that he would be dead. He ended up being a living sacrifice. Amen. So when you look at the soul, you know, the soul is considered to be, as we just found out, female, feminine, and wisdom being feminine. So when we look at this, you need to know how, how this works. So God, it starts with your heart, it moves to your mind, but it's engineered by your will. So what does that mean? Well, your heart is your immaterial reservoir. That's why you need a new heart. When God begets you again, he gives you a new heart. So your spirit has a new heart. Your soul does not get that. That heart must be converted. So your spirit gives you a new heart that must convert your soul's heart. And if you don't understand that, then you won't understand what the whole redemptive piece is about. And then your mind is your intelligence. Once your heart is converted, every time God converts another area of your, your soul's heart, it rewrites or rescripts your brain. It rescripts your mind because we know the mind and the brain are not the same thing. Isn't that nice? So the brain is the mind's receptacle. The brain takes from the mind, and, 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 and it's the whole neurological thing, all of that, all of those neural things that we talk about, those paths and transmitters and carrying on, all of that comes from the mind of the converted heart, the mind of Christ. Because until we get born again, it says uh, out of the abundance, which still means that, but still true, but out of your heart comes adultery, comes crime, comes abuse, comes lies and murders and thefts. That's all the heart. So you're asking Jesus to come in there is a useless thing. He's not, it's futile. He's not going to do it, number one. And number two, there's no place for him. So you, you have to pray the right thing. Well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. If God, the Bible says the Lord knows those that are his. And those who name the name of the Lord are to what? Depart from iniquity. So if you still got a little taste for iniquity, you have a little bit of a taste for iniquity. I like your little naughty now and then. I like a little nasty every now and then. You're not saved. Because truly, that's salvation, especially if you've been here. Now, if you're new to God, that's a whole other thing. It, it takes time it takes. But if you've been in God a long time and you still think naughty and nasty ought to be a part of the church's biologic infrastructure, you're not saved. Like all these people, that, like when they start saying that, I'm like, well, you're not saved. Why am I going to talk to the unsaved? What did Paul say? He said, I'm telling you to correct the righteous. I'm telling you to correct those that belong to me. Those that are outside, we're going to just leave Satan. They belong to Satan. So they should be with him. You know, when we were looking at the thing on Sunday, what did it say? The, a large percentage of those who wrote these false Bibles were Unitarians. Right. Study Unitarianism. 
because it, it seemed like unit. Doesn't that seem like unit, like unit for unity? Not so. Study that. Study their origins before you start saying somebody's okay because they're Unitarian. Look it up. And then your will becomes your emotional com- commander. Isn't that good to know? Now, I'm jumping around because this is a class, and I am not giving you this class for free. All right? So your will is a commander, the power within you. Your life is what you yourself architected, orchestrated, and engineered because your will sees to your heart demands. Not just the desires, because desires speak to your passions and your wants and your likes and dislikes, but your demands speak to your vengeance, your retaliation, your, your anger, your hurt, your, your resilience, all of that. So your heart speaks to all of that. So, so it's the desire plus demand that your will goes out to make happen for you. Can you all see that? So the will, just to give you the the reading, the will conducts what the soul conveys and the spirit codifies to what? Do you see what that says there? To translate what it is that your heart wants. In other words, your will's job is to go out and give substance and body to what is ordinarily secret and mysterious. So it gives substance, it gives body, And it also gives satisfaction, contentment. The will's job is to see to it that you exist in the safest, most satiated, contented, or satisfied uh, state as possible. So, and that doesn't mean that, okay, so that means me doing good. No, that means that if killing people is what brings you stasis, then that is what your will will go and make happen. Cursing people out, lying, cheating, all of those kinds of things. Your will's job. That's why when people talk to me, I listen to the, I studied this, I've done this. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, your will is to see to it that every appetite you have is satisfied. And that is where you get the torments. That's where you get the stress. That's where you get the anxiety. You get all of those kinds of, of, um, of emotions or repercussions when that will is on assignment, when it's on the hunt. And the will is cunning. It will do whatever it takes to convince others to give you what it wants, why it came. We think about Abraham talking about sending his servant out. He sent his servant out to get a wife for Isaac. And so the servant was single-minded. Your will is single-minded. It's subtle. And it's so subtle, you don't realize it's single-minded. Your will will not come back to you without what you need. It will, it will, it will morph. It will manipulate. It will, maneuver, it will connive. It will lie. It will deceive. It will cheat. But its whole function in your makeup, in your soul, is to see to it that the assignment the heart gave it is not avoided. The only thing to stop it 
is when you decide, okay, it's not worth it. So now when you start putting a value to it and you start devaluating it and you start instead of evaluate, then when you do that, it'll stop. But it won't stop right away, which is why you end up being, being done with something and it still comes back. Because it took a long time for it to weed through all of the elements, all of the surfaces, all of the, the systems that you have in your being, and then those of others to persuade them. Because your will is a persuader. It's a conqueror. It's a persuader. It's a convincer. It's a seducer. People will seduce you with pity stories. That's the will, their will at work to bring something back that will bring that heart back to stasis. They'll seduce you with whatever that will had known to succeed at at other times, even in lesser issues, lesser matters. Does this speak to you all? So when you start talking about listening to a lie, you have to understand the will is who concocted that lie. And its job is to persuade you that it's truth because it's persuaded the heart that it needs to do that in order to fulfill its purpose or to satisfy it. The will, uh, in my book, 3D, the third book is going to be majority about the power of your will. So your will actually is the master controller. It's the master controller. And see how it has this, this, this maneuver? Because that, its maneuvers are what it will do. It will move through life. It will walk you away from relationships that you should have had, but that relationship would conflict with its assignment. It will walk you into situations that you really do not have, but that situation is the best. It's cunning because your soul is a cunning being. That the best it's cunning can do to fulfill its assignment. It will bind you up. It will cause you to make rash decisions, impulsive decisions. Why? Because it's not making a, a your will is not so much making a judgment call as much as it's, it's pursuing technical abilities and te- technical utilities and instruments to make it happen. So you can say, and it'll keep, you know, because the heart always is going to deceive itself, always. He, Jesus said it's not in man to know his ways, you know, and our heart is going to deceive itself. So even though your new creation heart can't lie, if you are not giving it authority over that soul heart, then that same corrupted heart is going to go after what it wants because you mandated it, and it's probably at the root of your soul, right at the place where your soul and your, and your heart begin to feed off each other because there is that challenge. That is why in my, my book two, I'm almost done, in book two I talk about how important it is for you to recognize that Scripture treats the body and the soul as a unit. So it is your, it's your soul's job to force that body because the, in, in God's creation or hierarchy, the body is the slave, to force that body to make happen what it takes for that heart to feel at peace for that heart to feel satisfied. And sometimes that satisfaction is based on, uh, on uh, restoration, sometimes it's based on reward, and sometimes it's based on revenge. Like when you go and do something wicked and you don't know why you did it, Lord. where you had assigned that incident to be, uh, to trigger or create opportunities for revenge. I don't care if it's just snap back. I don't care if it's just a matter of saying, well, I don't care, or you cut off, or you whatever. 
but revenge. Your your will is not just about rewarding you. It's it, unless it's rewarding you with revenge. And remember, I told you in the middle of the word re- reward is what war. war. And your will goes to war on your behalf, and it does it subtly and quietly. Now, how do you recognize it? You'll see it in dreams. You'll hear it in things coming out of your mouth. You'll see it in your appetites. All of a sudden, you have a fetish for this and an obsession with that. All of that is your will out there doing, because it's the master controller out there doing what it knows to do, to see to it that what you originally enacted it to do, and then actionized it to do happens because your soul, your heart won't shut up. Your heart whines. It whines. It nags. It cries. It pouts. It does all of those things. Or it sings or it, it, or it envisions. It creates it images. Your heart has, I mean, it's the most powerful instrument in the physical body, so how much more? You could be brain dead and your heart's still going on. Can't move. Heart's still going on. And so all this, all this in it, it is a re- what I like to call a reservoir of the fullness, the movable or motable you. That's where we come from, emote, motable you. And so when you, when you think about it, if you don't deal with your heart, that's why he said you have to deal with your heart. You have to forgive from your heart. Because if you don't, your heart keeps that will on assignment to justify you, to vindicate you, or to avenge you. Does this speak to you? We only have a few more minutes, but I'm almost done anyway. Is this all right? See, if you, and so this is the the I want you. This is the soul, because the premise of. Our 3D program is the soul as the maker made it. Because remember, we talked about the corruption that Satan has. The whole, his whole world system is the guarantee that you chase him, that you love him, that you trust him, that you value him, and also that you superiorize him. In other words, he will always be, and you do it, you have to do it mindlessly. You have to do it subconsciously. You have to do it beneath your surface so that you never know that you are an instrument in his hand and also you're a pillar in his system. So when you get saved, all of a sudden you understand what the problems are. That's why we know these people are not saved. These people don't know the problem with indiscriminate sex. They don't know God's problem. Because they think that I'm just being myself, but I got needs. I'm taking care of my needs. Your needs come from a demon. <laughs> who programmed your family's genealogical and genetic self to satisfy it at will and to guarantee that you are constantly under God's displeasure. It's because Satan, from his realm, remember, if you don't accept that he's from God's realm, you think he was just born on earth and he's just trying to make his way to Wake it through his death the way you try to make it through life. And that is not what the case is. The case is we were meant to multiply Jesus Christ, who was the problem, a problem from him, but the reason he was cast out of God's realm. But he was not cast out of God's realm with his entire memory erased. So all of the wickedness that he does, it's not just a memory thing for him now. It is now his physiology. It's now his biotics. 
He is not, he cannot do you good. He cannot do a good deed and mean you well. He has got to reproduce after his own kind because that's the law of creation. This, is this speaking to you guys? How are they doing? Are y'all all right? She, she, she just said yes. And not all of them, your evil, your destructions come from a deep. And, and, and when we get back together again, because I did not show you that one, I can, I can give you the whole list of them. They come, and if they don't come from, then they are definitely, they are denigrated by, they're degraded by. So your love is not the love of Christ. You can sit there and talk about God is love all day long. You don't have a clue about God's love. First of all, you got too much of Satan's love deposited in your body. In your soul. So you can't, so it's kind of like, I mean, we have to deal with the fact that contamination and perversion and mutation happened to God's pristine creation. And God had a patch. He created a fix. Are you all right? And what was his fix? Jesus Christ was his biological, cellulated, biotic, as well as eternal fix, which was always the fix in God's mind, the fix predated. Because Jesus was always going to be the solution. He was always going to be the fix. So Jesus is the fix for Adam's failure which is why he's the last Adam. I know people prophesy this and they say it, but I want you to understand Jesus is not the second Adam. If God did not give Adam a second coming. <laughs> you understand that, right? No, 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 Okay. But he did make Jesus the last one because Jesus was first. God made Adam a downgraded version that would be susceptible to Satan. Now, he did not, he was not compelled. He was susceptible. Does this help? So I want to do these classes, and I'm trying to get it together. As soon as I can get my prophets online and my apostles, I'd love to do these classes because this is where you make the decision. I started the will because you need to understand you chose and you choose every minute of every day to be your redemptive self because you want to manifest Jesus Christ or to be your corrupted self because you want to have your way or you want to give somebody else their way or you just want to be left alone. But I just, you know, I appreciate this because if we don't catch it that God I just love how, how Paul does this. You know, he just, he just teaches it so beautifully. And he begins to tell you, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, which is one of my powerful ones to understand this, but he talks about how God gives every kind of body. There are different kinds of body, and, you know, the natural body, and so it was. But look at when you get down to here, the natural versus the spiritual body, 1545. So as it is written, the first man, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, the last Adam. Didn't say second. Y'all stop saying second because that means a third is coming. The last Adam was a quickening spirit, life-giving spirit. So God made Jesus able to pass on the Godhead's deathless life 
Well, I can't go to the rest of this, so we'll save this for next time. But so Jesus is the last Adam, but the last Adam, he said the last shall be first. Jesus was first. God, Jesus existed before the law, before Moses, before everything, even before wisdom. Because remember, the Lord our God is one. If you understand the power of your will, you'll stop blame shifting. You'll stop saying it's everybody else. You'll start to own yourself because you own the way to fix it. You own the material and the mechanics of making it happen, of repairing it. You, it can't, nothing can be repaired without your will, and your will will not work until your heart tells you or tells it to stop pursuing that, to stop attacking this, and begins to fill it with the truth of God. The soul, the heart only get, get set free by truth serum. We'll talk about that next time. Hallelujah. I thank you. Enjoy today. Enjoy the rest of the week. I hope you like, enjoyed the broadcast. I certainly had fun bringing it to you. But remember, you must share. I will go as big as you send me. Share, share, share. And when you share it, tell people to share it. And also put on their soul to this woman because she's given us things that we haven't had and we can do something with. I give you a living gospel. Living gospel means not only you can live it, but you can make it livable for others. So you can sow a seed. They have it on the screen. Share, 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 and share. And do me a big favor. Write me and let me know what it does. Even if you decide that you really don't want to, you don't like it, I'm okay with you not liking it. I'm probably going to think you're reading the wrong Bible, but you'll be all right with that, okay? But let us let me know how it's working. If you are a counselor, a therapist, or, or, or any type of soul treater, then definitely let me know if you feel led to use some of these principles or some of these realities in how you tend to those entrusted to your care. I love you greatly. I ask God to bless you. I thank all of you who have been sowing seeds to me. I release the harvest of the Almighty on the seeds that you've sown. I break through the business barriers. I break through the glass ceiling, wood ceiling, and every other ceiling for you. I release you to prosper and to thrive. I prophesy to you that as you've sown because of your belief in me that others will have reciprocate with belief in you and faith in your venture and faith in your project and faith in your hope. And these things I ask God to do for you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Let it be so. God bless you. (laughs) See, you all get to see all of the rest of it. These are all of the other things you didn't see. That comes next week. And then these are the things you didn't see. (laughs) You know, one of the things God entrusted the prophets to heal people's souls. And he entrusted them to heal it according to the word. And then he entrusted the apostles to build their spirits. See, that's the way it works. The apostles get the the soul ready to be converted by the spirit. What a good Jesus. Isn't he a good Jesus? Hmm? What did you say, Chief? Oh. 
That's why I do it, because when you look at the prophets, the prophets primed Israel for the apostles. And the apostles are all about the spirit, the spirit of this, the spirit advanced with the spirit gives life, all of those. And it's about the, the, it takes it back to the archetypical elements and essence of God's word, where the prophets take you to the prototypical, the prototype of Jesus Christ in the planet. I guess I behaved myself. Did I behave?